Welcome to In Plain Sight, a cybercrime magazine podcast series brought to you by Conceal. Conceal is a zero trust network privacy and security company that disguises and protects your enterprise's online presence and privacy. Conceal enables secure browsing and secure critical data and resources in the cloud using disruptive malware protection technology. To learn more about our sponsor, visit conceal.io. Here with me today is Scott Grayo, VP of Solutions Engineering and Customer Experience at Conceal. Welcome back, Scott. Always a pleasure to be speaking with you. Thanks, Hillary. It's great to be with you again. So, Scott, we're here today to talk about cyber resiliency. Now, I guess for anyone unfamiliar who may be listening, cyber resilience is the ability for organizations to continue delivering intended outcomes despite experiencing challenging cyber events. With that quick overview, Scott, my first question for you for our conversation is, what does cyber resilience mean to you? It's a great question, Hillary. When I think about it, I go back to old school disaster recovery, business continuity, and that was how did we deal with other technology disasters and things that impacted business. And I just take that lens and I apply it to the cyber world where we're constantly being attacked and how do we know we're being attacked or how do we know that we're having potential cyber challenges? And then how do we structure internal programs, defenses, and other solutions to help us identify and then kind of persevere through those so that they don't become an issue with us delivering the goods or services or business that we're in. Excellent. And so I guess what's at risk here? And I'm sure that's a huge question, but, and you know, why are organizations rather, why are there still organizations out there that aren't mitigating these risks, I guess, is is what I'm wondering. You know, I think organizations have it. What's at risk? Let me start with that one, actually. Everything's at risk. Everything from the reputation of a business to your customer's data or your intellectual property, or if you just want to distill it down to what businesses do, your ability to make money. And that's a big spectrum. And so if we kind of distill it down another layer and think about why aren't organizations addressing these risks is because maybe they look at it through, you know, a broader risk lens, if they have a risk office or a risk function, and they see maybe other operational risks that are larger or maybe more impactful than cyber risk. So I think it could depend on the type of business that you're in. But I think some organizations maybe just aren't quite there yet in sorting out that how does the cyber footprint and their use of technology potentially impact their ability to deliver goods and services. And not from, you know, again, I if I think in the DRBCP world, you're worried about drives failing or a data center being down. This is more intentional damage and intentional attack or disruption. So they may not just be thinking about it yet because they may have other risks that they're focused on. I think it could be a prioritization challenge for some organizations. That seems fair. So with that, I guess, Scott, what would you consider to be an effective cyber resilience strategy? And how would security teams go about building one? I'll tongue in cheek say, why don't we just prevent the problems from happening? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's probably the best strategy. Good offense is your best defense. If organizations do focus on that as part of their overall resilience is how do we just not run into these issues? That's really important. But having things like monitoring and alerting a security operations a function, and you know, if you're a smaller organization, that might be outsourced. If you're large enough, maybe it's insourced. Maybe you have a, a model that relies on some internal folks and some external. But it's really being able to identify when you have a problem that's probably most foundational 
for companies to do today, because that's going to help you understand that there is a cyber risk. How do you address it? And that's what builds the resiliency. It's the ability to respond to that and adapt. So, you know, if, if you have an e-commerce website that's under attack, this again is where it falls into disaster recovery and BCP in my eyes. If you have something that's down, not accessible, not available, what would you do then? And you can use some of those same strategies and resilience, but you have to know that you're under attack. You have to know that there is an issue from a cyber perspective and not just from what I would say the traditional infrastructure perspective to be able to address it. So I think if organizations just think about, okay, what does our risk landscape look like? How do we start to monitor what's important to us? You know, overused term, but crown jewels, what is really important? And you get that monitoring in place. And then you layer proactive technologies on top of that. I think that's really an important part. I think that starts to help organizations. And a lot of that's going to happen, Hillary, at the very at the technical level. And I think as an organization matures, they need to start thinking about the people side of things, people and processes. So employees can be a pretty healthy conduit of risk into an organization. So I think about on the proactive side, definitely doing things to help protect and insulate their employees from some of these cyber risks and threats. A big one that we hear about today often is credential theft. So making sure that you have good technical controls in place to prevent credential theft from becoming a challenge for your organization would be an example of something more proactive as opposed to just identifying that you found credentials on the dark web. So to me, there's a continuum. You have to start at least with some base monitoring, and then you move up into things that are much more proactive in nature. So Scott, can you give us some examples or perhaps cite any use cases for when cyber resilience was successfully implemented? There's probably good use cases every day. I, I don't have one you know, top of mind, but organizations on a daily basis, I, I can think back to some other things I've done in my professional career where organizations, they exhibited resilience by having really good controls around when email was the primary vector attacking humans, of identifying when an attack was ongoing and proactively removing that risk from someone's inbox. So it, it was a full circle type of control where you made your employees aware of a problem, you implemented technology to help prevent those problems from even existing, but then you had feedback loops that helped you identify when a problem existed, and then you proactively went in and took care of that. And I think that type of resiliency, to me, what I liked about it is it went full circle. Another good example would be things like endpoint detection and response. When a user's computer, something is not behaving normally, I'll use that as an elastic term, you have a piece of software on the endpoint that'll detect that, and it'll take appropriate response to that abnormal behavior. So things like that, to me, start to exhibit really good resiliency. And typically, we're not going to read about that in the headlines. We'll hear about like the attack on the large platforms that enables ride sharing. We'll hear about things like that, but we won't hear about, wow, you know, XYZ Corp was resilient, so nothing happened. So we, we tend not to hear about those great examples of resiliency. Okay, that makes sense. And so... I guess my next question for you, Scott, is, you know, everything you've laid out so far sounds good. I am wondering, are there any other cybersecurity concepts that work well with cyber resilience to help defend enterprises, you know, further against cyber threats? 
Yeah, I think I touched on one earlier. It's getting into the more defensive mode of let's not let a potential threat become a real threat. I think what we see today is organizations as they're working towards some zero trust models and identifying what does their zero trust landscape look like. That's everything from enabling access to a network to protecting users as they use the internet, as who has access to what applications at what point in time. Those types of controls are much more forward thinking. And what they're looking to do is reduce the risk opportunity so that your resilience, your, your need to be resilient is much less there. So you're reducing the opportunity for an incident. And I, I think things like that that are more proactive and you're preventing a potential risk from being a, an issue is really where we're seeing organizations who are doing this well. I would say excel in their cyber resilience because they don't have to exercise the resilience as much as those that maybe don't have those more proactive controls in place. I definitely think anyone who is preventing things from going wrong, as well as being able to identify when things still go wrong, is in a much better place than organizations who are just reliant on kind of the reactive mode of, I'm waiting for an incident to happen and then I'll take care of it. Because that's what a lot of resilience is built on today is that I'm going to be reactive. I know that there's going to be a problem, but I know I have some tooling and processes in place to clean it up. And hopefully it's not a very big mess on IL-3. It's just a little mess. And so I feel like you kind of just gave some advice. My last question for you would be, do you have any advice to CISOs and security leaders out there trying to help their teams become more cyber secure and perhaps implement cyber resiliency? It's above and beyond the things that I've already talked about. It's definitely know your business. And I think that's always the biggest thing is that it's easy to latch on to some of the terms that they hear in industry and articles that they read. But applying that appropriately to your industry or your business specifically, that's where the challenge is. I always also think about, you know, there's not going to be one vendor that's going to come in and wave a magic wand and solve all your problems for you. So you have to sit back, take a look at what your risk landscape looks like, and then map resiliency toward that risk landscape and then go help and then go find partners that are going to work with you to address those gaps that you might find. You know, these are things that most CISOs hear all the time, so it won't be anything new and earth shattering for them, but it's always good to reinforce that you have to really understand what's best for your business. And that might not be what's best for your other CISO friend's business because they're doing something completely different than you are. Well, Scott, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. I always enjoy how you answer the questions that I'm throwing at you. And so just thank you so much for taking the time to join me on In Plain Sight. Hillary, I always appreciate these talks as well, and I look forward to our next one. I do too. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. In Plain Sight is a Cybercrime Magazine podcast series sponsored by Conceal, a zero trust network privacy and security company that disguises and protects your enterprise's online presence and privacy. Conceal enables secure browsing and secure critical data and resources in the cloud using next generation ransomware protection technology. To learn more about our sponsor, visit conceal.io.